2: Hello and welcome to the Cheesewind podcast this is Brendan your host of the show and we have a special show for you today uh, bearing in mind a lot of uh, events that have been happening around the club surrounding the club both among the fan base but also uh, with regards to the board and uh, talk of potential investment from overseas uh, to bring some clarity and some decorum to the conversation. We're delighted to be welcomed once again (laughs) by the Tottenham Hotspur Supporters' Trust. Uh, First up is the chair of the Supporters' Trust, Rachel Martin. Rachel, great to speak to you again.
1: Hello, Bren, hi, lovely to see you all. I'm the co-chair, of course, along with Steve, who we're just about to meet, but I'm absolutely delighted to be invited back. Thanks so much.
2: See, I did ask you for, for, for Steve's title, so I didn't get it wrong. I got it wrong. <laughs> so, co chair, apologies, Steve. I welcome Steve Cavalier, who is co chair with Rachel at the Supporters Trust. Steve, great to meet you.
0: You too, Cavalier, Cavalier, actually. I'm not quite as exotic as you think. Uh, and I'm very pleased to be the other half of the chair with Rachel. Between us, we think we've got enough uh, stability to form a, a whole chair. <laughs>
2: Well, we are we are delighted to have you on, and we, we are a very fortunate fan base to have people like you represent us. and And we're going to get into things, but we'll we'll sort of ease you in. Obviously, we are all Tottenham supporters here, so let's start off with Rachel with you first. How's your feelings been so far this season, and where we are right now? What's What's been the the highlight, I guess, for the season, and how do you feel so far? Oh gosh, I mean, it's it's one of those weird seasons where I just feel. A little bit numb
1: in some ways um and also everything sort of changes uh you know week to week i i think it's just it's it's so odd the way we play for for half of the time at least is really as dull as ditch water and then you get games like the palace game where it's absolutely brilliant mm. um we we don't know what's going to happen at any game, we never know when to give up because most of the time we do um concede first and then come back and win. Um, and then there's all this stuff going on up the road with that awful neighbor making our season, and, and really, you know, the fact we are still in the FA Cart, well, you know, obviously, um, that we're in we're playing in Milan. Um, this is what we want, isn't it, as Spurs borders? We're fifth in the league. This is not bad, and yet it doesn't feel like it. And as for my highlight, well, of course you must know what it was: um, watching the Leicester game with you at Tottenham, and Sonny coming on and getting his hat trick. That
2: was that was an amazing moment. And yeah. we, we we have great luck together. I think. I mean, any Steve. game I go to now has to be with you uh, from yes, now on, definitely. <laughs> Steve, how about you? How's how's you? How are you feeling so far in this season? And, and, what, and your highlights of
0: our... Yeah, well, I would I would agree with Rachel. Apart from the fact that I think it's not so much up and down. Uh, from week to week. It's up and down even within the game. I mean, it's been, uh, you know, that Leicester game being a case in point. There were points during that game, which it looked like it was going to be a disaster. And then the second half was a transformation. Uh, look at the Leeds game. You know, if we'd uh, if we'd ended up losing that game 3-2 um, and got into the international break, um, um, you know, having lost that game, I think the mood would have been very different. And then, of course, there's the, the Champions League. I, I was... Uh, uh, gutted, and I have to confess, furious after that goal was chalked off against Lisbon in the last with the last kick of the game. And I thought, yeah. is this going to be the turning point of the season? Um, are we now going to find we don't get through to the next round? So, I mean, it was a huge relief and well done to the team that we actually mm-hmm. then did get through to the next round of the Champions League. So, I suppose you know, the highlights have been uh, Sonny's hat trick. I agree, but I can't pick the same one as Rachel. I suppose to an extent Um, because it's more recent coming back um, those two goals right at the end against Leeds that turnaround which is fabulous because I think of what it meant for for lifting the club and I've also been particularly pleased to see Harry Kane back and scoring straight off the World Cup and the um, traumatic experience he had during the World Cup Uh, perhaps rather using the word traumatic but you know what I mean Great to see him back scoring and looking like he's about to to break the record of the fabulous Jimmy Greaves. So, I mean, good good to see that as well. And I know we'll talk about this later, but obviously we're all um, looking forward—if that's the word—to to Sunday's game as well.
2: Exactly, it. that's the that's the game he's going to break the records, uh, which which will be amazing. Mm. He loves scoring against them, and it's going to happen. We, as you said, we'll uh, we'll have a quick North London derby preview towards the end. Um, I'll give you my highlight. My highlight though is isn't just a highlight of the season. It's a highlight of my time going to Tottenham. My first game was uh, February 1996. It was against Sheffield Wednesday 1-0. And I went to every home game between then and when I went to university in 2000. So for four years, went to every home game. Saw amazing uh, Jürgen Klinsmann, Sheringham, Ginola. And obviously coming back, I've been in Brazil for 17 years. So coming back, seeing Kane, seeing Sonny, but for me, mm. the highlight was was going to a game with Rachel and hearing her call the referee a wanker. That I, that <laughs> will live with me forever.
0: <laughs>
2: oh, it was glorious. Was it really me?
0: I can't. I'm sure it was entirely justified as well.
2: <laughs> it may have someone else. It may <laughs> been someone else. Who knows? Who knows? Um, Let's let's get into it then, guys. We thank you again, first of all, for, for coming on the show. And it was short notice as well. So I know things are very busy with you right now uh, between the trust and the club. And there was the statement that you made, I think it was around the 5th of January. So that was last week, uh, posing four questions to the club about the state of play and about, about the manager. There was about the, the short and long term plan things like that the club has responded and said they want to answer the question they're very keen to respond to the questions and will do so after the transfer window um were you satisfied with with the response rachel
1: i mean you know it, it was not surprising um that the club wouldn't want to give um any well i mean of course they wouldn't want to give any inappropriate information that would help um, the competition during a transfer window. And obviously we're all, as you said, you know, we're all Spurs fans. We wouldn't want the club to do anything that would um, jeopardize our position. But we did feel that the questions needed to be asked. And, and if the club aren't communicating regularly with supporters, then we are good people to be able to be a bit of a conduit and to get the questions asked that need to be asked. And of course, it's something that we have always done Um, this isn't um, something that's particularly unusual it's just maybe the way um, that we've done it this time um, is slightly different because we haven't got the formal face-to-face meetings at the moment we're in a period um, an interim period really in between the old way of working and the new which which will be soon but we felt that the questions need to be asked now and people need to know that we are holding the club to account and the club needs to be clear, if they're not, of the things that supporters need answers to. And um, you know, we, we do understand that there is a time um, that is a better time maybe for some of the answers. We think we could have had some answers to, to parts of it now. But I think one of the things that was really helpful was that they did commit, A, to answering the questions in full, B, that Paratici would be doing a full report after the transfer window, and see that we knew when we would be getting the financial results, which is basically February. So, and I, I know a lot of people were really relieved and, um, you know, pleased to hear that.
2: What prompted the the the, the asking of the questions? Um, there has been, I guess, just watching some of the response to the trust. You get criticised for not doing enough, and then you get criticised for being too aggressive. And there there was talk and um, this is a question that came in, but mm-hmm. it was a knee-jerk response to the current state of play. Was there consultation with fans prior to the asking of the questions? What what, what was the motivation there?
1: Um yes, I, I, I did have a look because I obviously I want to know what um what people are, are asking as well. Um and I did see that. It, it isn't knee-jerk because as I said, we we have asked very similar questions um for many years. Um, the the one about the strategy the long-term plan for example we've been asking since um, well we've asked before but certainly since um, the dismissal which I still can barely talk about of Pochettino um, <laughs> uh, and awaiting an answer so this isn't something that that's knee-jerk it's something that we've been wanting the club to be clear with um, two supporters for a long time but obviously there has been a bit of a groundswell, I think, coming a lot from um, what Conte is saying. Um, mm. And if Conte's saying that it, it has an effect on the rest of us, he might think it's having an effect on the man on the chairman, but actually it has an effect on the fan base. And so, again, you know, we were asking for the club to to basically give some clarity on on how that um, situation was was going and whether the club. Well, we're going to support the manager basically, I suppose is what we were asking. But as I said, in the past, we would have had those um, those questions in formal meetings with Daniel Levy, three or four times a year. Mm-hmm. And they would all be public. We would be publicizing the questions we'd be asking. We'd be getting questions from members and other Tottenham supporters. And then all of the responses would be published in full. So, uh, you know, it, it's not something that's new. It's just that because we're not having those meetings um, for now, we're we're doing it in this way instead.
2: Okay. So, with with that in mind, the um, the, the there is like, like you said at the beginning, then there there probably be commercially sensitive information that the club can't pass on. Like you said, the the details of Con- Conte's contract negotiation, for example. So, in that aspect, are you expecting? Uh, redacted responses or if with the answers that they give you would they then say to you you cannot pass this information on how how would the information come would it be partial answers I'm just trying to sort of work out how 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 broad the the conversation is with the club and how honest they are with their responses if there are certain things they can't say would they then say to you we are not able to give you our five-year plan because and we don't want to allow our competitors to, to gain, gain an advantage from learning these plans.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, the club are we, what we're what we're expecting is full and frank answers, as long as well as they support the club's interests. Mm-hmm. The club are not Daft; they're not going to be giving any information that isn't, um, you know, for the public domain. Sure. Um, they will be well thought through. Um, we're, we're not we're not sabotaging the club or their plans. Um, just as when we have the new model, um, you know, it'll all be um, very, very carefully monitored what, what is allowed out into the public domain. Um, but it's still better that the club communicate um, and that we are seen to be asking the questions and, and asking, you know, scrutinising their answers, coming back to them, asking for more. But also, you know, we, we we are mindful of the fact that our remit is not on pitch matters. It's off pitch. Sure. So, you know, we, we wouldn't be straying into, we we, we wouldn't be sort of um, hauling them over the coals about um, whether they're going to sell Emerson Royale, for example, just picking a name out of the air. Oh. Who I like actually, but not necessarily in that position. Anyway, that's not my remit.
2: <laughs> <laughs> straying into it already. Since the, the European Super League, how has com- uh, communication with the club been? Um, have you been attending meetings? Uh, you mentioned there was a severe breakdown in trust as a result of that. Has has that healed at all or, or is it still pretty raw? Yeah,
1: um, it's the first time I've heard the European Super League mentioned without the word debacle. <laughs> it's sort of to me, it, the, the two things go together. Um It was a debacle. We were sitting in meetings with them telling us quite categorically that, no, we were not um, having any thoughts about it, there were no negotiations, blah, blah, blah. And when you get to that point where you realise that you're sitting in a meeting just being told things that are not true, there is no point having those meetings. Mm -hmm. Um, But time is a great healer. You know, everyone involved has shown a willingness to move forward with the government fan-led review, which Steve is going to be talking about. Um, and relations have um, continued. Um, we do, we have a lot of meetings with Spurs. Um, we we go there often. We have um, Zoom meetings. We do a lot of work with them on operational matters and things that affect um, supporters. So we're still able to do ever such a lot of what we want to do. It's just that mm-hmm. we're not top line. Um, strategic meetings and we don't have access to the chairman in the same way that we used to we can we, we have but not directly um, okay. but I think that I think we are in a real time of transition um, and we're optimistic about the direction of travel at the moment.
2: Okay and on, on the subject of the um, the owners there's been uh, an increase in the noise I would suggest in the, the Enoch out question and um, there are I wouldn't even describe it as a movement. There's people saying, oh, talk about the movement. It, it, there's a small minority of people within the stadium chanting for for, for Levy to, to leave. What about you at the Trust? Have you noticed an increase in general of that, that sentiment or is has it always been there and it's just there because on pitch isn't as great as it has been that it inevitably leads to those chants?
1: I, I do think that... Um on on pitch results have such an effect on absolutely everything it certainly has an effect on my mental health i mean i generally <laughs> my week is a different week when we've just won it yeah. really is it really you know it affects all of us um the beers taste nicer you know when we've won Ev- everything is nicer when it's sunny um but you know we we do a mass survey every year of our membership and the wider fan base and we you know circulate it we get you know over 6,000 replies which is a nice um, useful sample and obviously this was done in the closed season we finished the season on a high didn't we with that fantastic North London derby um, the Norwich win you know the Champions League qualification and everything felt good but The number of, um, when we asked the question, how happy are you with the custodianship of Enoch as owners of the club? Um, I mean, I could do a little poll. How many do you think, what percentage maybe you know, um, said Enoch out at that point? What do you think?
2: Um,
1: 30%? Divide it by 10. Literally
2: 3% said Enoch out. What, were so, there sort of levels in terms of like definite out or a little bit out? Or, or was it just. <laughs> the,
1: the only one that said Enoch, out, uh, basically, you want them out was 3%. There were others who thought, uh, basically, the vast, vast majority were happy. Okay. And because we were, what kind of, why wouldn't you be? You know, we it was a really fantastic end of the season. There was a feel good. We'd done some very good signings. Um, we'd offloaded some people that we didn't need at the club. It was good, but things have changed without a doubt since then, and the feeling has um, has changed. Um, but but I think you have to keep in mind that people can be you know there are there is a there is a, an increase in people who are unhappy. Um, they are very, um, you know, vociferous in the way that they express that. but we are trying to represent everybody. And mm-hmm. if we did a poll to say, what questions do you want us to ask the club? You know, we would get 75 questions back. Um, we couldn't possibly work like that. It, there is no um, unanimous feeling. So we've been elected It's a democratic organisation. We've been elected onto the board. We, we obviously have an eye on social media. We do our polls. Um, we read our inbox we you know our members email us we have a forum for full members um they engage and tell us how they feel and we as a board um collate collated those four questions based on what we were hearing and what we felt were um the questions that needed to be asked
2: hmm. i i filled in the the questionnaire actually i at did the, at the uh, i don't know at the end of the season or the beginning of this one but yeah. during that that time so I, and I what did do- you put for the, on the unit question
1: yeah
2: can you remember um i can't remember I pr- it wouldn't have been out i'm kind of um i don't know if it's, it's apathy but i i kind of think it, it's irrelevant um then they're not going to sell like da- dancing up and down on the high road in a clown mask isn't going to make daniel levy just oh I'll, I'll i'll sell up and uh i'll offer a good price because i want a-. he's a business person he's not going to sell. Mm-hmm. um for, for less than how he values the club. And I'm sure he values it very hard. well. We'll get on to the, as we said, the Qatari question shortly. Mm-hmm. Um, on the question of protests, uh, would, and I, I, we, we spoke about this before as well, would there come a point where the trust would back a protest or bearing in mind the fact that the protest would attract people in clown masks, dancing up and down, wishing death on the owners? That it, it's a road you wouldn't go down.
1: Well, that's certainly not that kind of um, way of protesting, no. And uh, I mean, obviously, an Enoch out slogan is is a slogan ultimately, because mm. Enoch aren't going to be out unless someone else is in, I and mean, we have mm. absolutely no idea who would be in. And we really see our role as uh, as holding whoever owns the club to account, and you know, really trying to make sure that fans are at the heart of everything a club does um and you know obviously we we did protest in a way that we and our members very very strongly backed when the european super league debacle happened so we do protest but not not by wearing um masks or or certainly not for calling for um you know
2: things like you've just mentioned on on the subject of as we said the um the potential sale and Steve, I'll come on, come to you on this. The Qatari question. Um, it has been confirmed um, that, that Daniel Levy did meet with Nasser Al Khalif, khalifi I believe. Apologies for mispronouncing his name. The club has said that it's it's a meeting of old friends, which I find strange. Like they're old. Who else he friends with? Jeffrey Dahmer. You know, what I mean? like Daniel Levy. And this, uh, uh, irrespective of whether or not it's there's there's credence to the, uh, the, the the question of a potential sell how would you feel about investment from uh, a nation state with questionable uh, human rights records um taking over the club
0: well i suppose coming back to the point first of all about um enic out i mean I, I reflect the views that uh, rachel has already expressed and uh, the sentiments uh, that there were in the survey that we did, and whether there is a change of view since then. I think it's fair to say on that survey result as well that whilst the majority of people were, uh, were well, vast majority of people didn't want Enoch out, the, the majority view, if you took a broad consensus, was that. Enoch had done a good job on the financial stewardship of the club but there was more to be done on the field and if you had to sort of do a Venn diagram of where things intersected that was probably the majority view and I think one of the, one of the reasons we've been um, sceptical about a call for Enoch out is you don't just get somebody out you you get somebody in and I think where is what is the reality of that there aren't many Benign billionaires knocking about who are going to come in and just be um, aligned with our values totally, and we'll be um, absolutely delighted to see them. You know, so I think one has to be realistic about that. Now, I mean, so far as the, the um, QSI, the Qatari uh, situation is concerned, now we don't know obviously what's going on. Um, you've seen what the club said in the Times that there were no discussions which related to investment or sale or or naming rights. And we've always said that we won't uh, comment on speculation. So we can't comment on that particular speculation. But in response to your broader question, um, if, essentially, does it matter who owns the club and what their values are? Well, I think it does. I think it's very, very important. I think it's very concerning, the ownership of a number of clubs, not just in uh, in England, but but across uh, across the world as well, that increasingly, Nation states with very dubious records on human rights are looking to buy into football uh, or are buying into football, both in terms of clubs and international competitions uh, as a form of um, sanitising their own reputation. And I think you can see that obviously through the World Cup itself. You can see it through ownership of of other clubs. And uh, very quickly, it would seem that the media and others seem to forget what that ownership is. and I watch the end of that uh, Newcastle-Leicester League Cup game yesterday, and you think that Newcastle were a plucky little team who suddenly come out of nowhere uh, to, uh, you know, haven't won a trophy since 1969. uh, No mention at all of where that investment was coming from, let alone the human rights record of the Saudi uh, regime. And I do think it's important in relation to Qatar, for example, Um, I went on a delegation to Qatar in 2016 with a number of uh, trade unionists, politicians, journalists, lawyers and so forth. And we saw the conditions in Qatar. We spoke to a number of the workers. We spoke to um, people who were working for subcontractors and the conditions that we saw some people living in were absolutely horrific squalor. And we heard about the uh, fact that people couldn't move jobs, that they had their passports taken away, that there was discriminatory Pay depending on which country you've been recruited in. That people weren't getting the money that they had been promised, and they had to um, sign away their, uh, you know, pay large uh, deposits in indentures that they couldn't get back. Now the Qatari government would say that was 2016. Things have improved since then, but we know from the reports we've seen that that that, um, that the improvements certainly aren't sufficient and that there were a number of deaths in relation to building the stadia and so forth. So I, I do think there is a general uh, obligation uh, on all businesses, not just football, to be aware of where is the money coming from? How has the money been made? What are the, what are the values of the people concerned? And that we should have a proper uh, owners and directors test uh, applying across football in, in England, and, and not just in the Premier League, but throughout the EFL as well, to make sure that people are fit and proper to own clubs and to be investing in clubs. And that's not a point uh, specific to Spurs, that's a point across the board.
2: You made a good point there, and incredible work in terms of um, the visit to to Qatar. Um, That that sounds like uh, an eye-opening experience. Um, Your wider point on it's not just football. Like The Qatari money is washing through various sectors within the UK and around the world. So... Sainsbury's, the Shard, Heathrow Airport. So, from the football supporters' side, um, you can see that with supporters of City and Newcastle, that there'll be lots of whataboutery going yeah. on. Like, well, are we going to stop going shopping at Sainsbury's and using Heathrow Airport? But a football club—it it, means—is I feel a much more of a connection to Tottenham Hotspur than I do to Sainsbury's or Heathrow. I, 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 and so, you're right in that it does matter. Um, it, is there enough governance to control this? And, and uh, without going too far into politics, would a change in government in the UK, is it something that that, that is needed to uh, bring in stricter strict controls in the sort of fit and proper tests that you mentioned?
0: I'm tempted to go, we, we've got more rabbit than Sainsbury's, to go back to uh, the days of Chaz and Dave. But uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, if you don't like the... Um, uh, the ethical policies of one particular supermarket. You can go to another. Uh, you, we're not going to suddenly start supporting a different football team because of the um, because of a change in ownership. And to that extent, I'm sure that's true of fans of other clubs as well. I know plenty of Newcastle fans. Uh, you know, I've had some spirited discussions with them, and uh, they're in a different position from from us at the moment. Um, so you you can't just switch your allegiance because you're not happy with the ownership of a of a club necessarily, or some people may feel that strongly they do. But I think the important thing is that, and the, the fan-led review recognised this, the fan review recognised this, that football clubs, um, and this is not just a romantic notion, they are more than just businesses. They are described in that report as being community assets. Therefore, it's not just how they do on the pitch, uh, it's also how they contribute to the community, where they're located, do they stay in the community that they're based in, they don't move from from Wimbledon to Milton Keynes, for example, you know, that, that, that those are crucial things and those values are important to that. And that's um, the, the values in the sense of the uh, probity, if you like, of the ultimate owners, but also the stewardship of the club. So you don't end up with situations like you have at, at Berry, at Derby County, at Bolton Wanderers and so forth, The owners can be can be trusted to have the, they are custodians of the club, Um very few owners will own the club forever they will be passing them up on at some point to somebody else they need to be the custodians of the club and they need to be, be ensuring that it remains true to its roots and true to its values and and there is a huge connection between between fans and their club and that's not just uh, fans um, who who are regular match goers like like ourselves that will be people who are fans who've never had the uh, luxury or opportunity to go to white hart lane for various reasons but they're still Passionate fans of Spurs and we identify with the club. Uh, uh, and as Rachel says, it, it ruins your week and beyond if if, uh, if the team has lost. There's a real sense of identity. It's not just like a transaction. It's not just like a purchase. It's a It's a real affinity. And you want to be proud of your club. You want to be proud of your club on the field. You want to be proud of your club off the field, both in relation to their ownership, how they conduct themselves, how the fans conduct themselves, how they conduct themselves in their business and in their relationship with with fans and with the community and that's what we want Uh, and we want to work with the club to try and achieve that
2: wait you just get your opinion on the the qatari story um how how are you feeling with the possibility of investment and even a, a buyout
1: i mean very very similar i was um it took me a very long time to get interested in the world cup because i was so upset about where it was and all the the stories that um that steve had told us about the conditions and obviously uh, we'd heard a lot about it through media and it sort of started that everybody felt like that and then of course the football became fantastic and actually the matches were brilliant in the World Cup and you kind of start forgetting about it and then I think the same thing is happening with Newcastle you know there was a lot of um, shouting and um, uh, wailing and everything at the time but they've had success so quickly that people start sort of okay let yeah okay let's sort of forget about that part of it and and enjoy the stuff on the pitch and um the issues here are really serious and i completely endorse what what steve says you do want to be proud and i do feel proud there are lots of things that spurs do that i feel really proud about um for example i like it that we don't have gambling on the front of our shirts i think that's really important Um, There there are lots of things like that, 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 you know, um, gambling addiction is a a serious thing. Um, We do a lot of work um, as a club that we should be proud of with, um, uh, you know, um, equalities and diversity, for example. And I just feel, you know, why, you know, it's just going to be make us all turn on each other again. it's just, it's just not a good look at all, is it? Yeah, we're in an absolute prime position to be bought and, sp- or, or you know, invested in sports,
2: washed, because we are very well run. Hmm. And it's kind of, is is this just the way football is going anyway? You've seen the success of of Man City um, with, with the investment there, and hmm. Citigroup, uh, the company, has just bought my local team in Brazil here, Bahia. Um, it's been very under the radar, but they mm-hmm. they've literally just bought there because they have a team in India, US, uh, Australia mm-hmm. and a few other countries as well to sort of create the network in terms of um, obviously to build their brand, uh, but also for mm-hmm. play, movement of players uh, among their clubs. Well, it's so, interesting
0: uh, because, we, you know, obviously there's been a, a big influx of investment from from the USA in in English football over the years. Um, And it's interesting now the stories about um, uh, Liverpool and Manchester United looking either to sell up or to bring in other investment, and people are linking that with uh, the European Super League debacle and they couldn't establish the sort of more US model that they wanted. But then we've still seen the money going into Chelsea and on the back of then the Abramovich era and the strange ability of Chelsea still to spend vast amounts of money uh despite uh, that. Yeah. And Alex <laughs> think complete, the complete ineffectiveness of, of any financial fair play regulations, and mm-hmm. there was the stuff to do with Manchester City in the past as well. So, it, it I mean, obviously, it, it is very, very difficult effectively to regulate these massive nation states and supranational businesses in a way which... You're not going to get a level playing field, and uh, let's be fa- let's face it. Um, if we were to start talking about a level playing field, uh, there'd be you know um, 88 clubs in the in the foot in the in the Premier League and the Europe and the uh, EFL would be saying, "Hang oh, I mean, on a minute, you've got a sixty thousand stadium, you've got all that TV money, you've got investment from Enoch. What on earth are you moaning about?" So, I mean, there is. Um, You know, there is that element of it as well. This is huge business and the numbers have have gone through the roof. But that doesn't mean there shouldn't be proper governance and there shouldn't be proper accountability and there shouldn't be proper transparency. And in particular, there should be proper involvement of of fans having a say in in the running of the club, Uh, not on a day-to-day basis, but the overall stewardship of the club and the strategy and the approach of the club. And that comes back to the point we were making before. It's not, it's very much not a knee-jerk reaction. Uh, I mean, all Spurs fans will know the general sentiment around the club, the sense of unease, if you like, and the uncertainty as to what the strategy is. And that disjunct between some of the things that the club have been saying and that Antonio Conte as the manager was saying. And the club has acknowledged in its response to us that these are legitimate questions. Now, we wait and see what the answers are, but no one is saying these are not questions that should be asked. They, they certainly are. They're not ones, and they're ones that we can have um, solid and substantive answers to without giving away uh, commercial secrets that are going to benefit uh, other clients. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're hear in conversation with business icons. This show will explore dealmaking across sports, media, and entertainment. And that is a harsh lesson in business.
1: Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, my, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I
0: didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so
2: many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal.
0: Listen to The Deal.
2: Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Clubs. Exactly. These are questions that fans are asking amongst themselves. And as, as a representative body of, of the supporters, it felt like... The questions were were made because the club wasn't being forthcoming with you in meetings that's what my assumption was was that that this was done publicly because uh communication had broken down because of the esl debacle so uh hopefully as i said come february and i understand the financial uh results coming out in february because if we publish them now mm-hmm. during the transfer window uh Sporting Lisbon will double that that buyout clause for Pedro Porro and you know so that I can understand um but yeah it, it it just feels like you said that there isn't much communication from figureheads from the club other than from Antonio Conte and what we hear from him it seems to go against the club a lot and that that's so that's the concern, and i, I that's yeah. why I understood. I mean, we'll, to...
0: we'll come on in a moment to our discussions with the club about, about other issues, including the Fan Advisory Board, and I wouldn't want to exaggerate. I mean, we do have a regular dialogue with the club on a number of issues, and we've got uh, increasing discussions around fan engagement and how that will work going forward. But the, these are questions of sufficient importance that they're not just to be discussed, if you like, behind closed doors. It was important to put those questions out there and for the club to respond publicly as well. And the clubs acknowledge that in how they've responded. So this is not just a matter for a a discussion uh, between the club and the trust behind the scenes. It's important that that is out there and transparent and that our fans, our supporters, members of the trust and other Spurs supporters can see the questions that are being asked and eventually see Hopefully fairly soon the responses as well. Exactly.
2: Well let's let's move on then as you said to the the question of the fan advisory board. In in the latest newsletter from the supporters trust, uh, you did say that you, you were in dialogue with the club about the fan advisory board and how it would um how it would come to fruition, what the, the, the club's ideas are and the trust's reservations about certain elements. What can you tell us about the progress uh, with the the formation of the fan advisory board?
0: Well, we've been we've been discussing this issue with the club since the European Super League debacle, um, and um, and the then the inception of the fan led review that the government brought forward in the report from Tracy Crouch MP and the rest of her panel last November, uh, and we've been in uh, discussions with the club along with um, other groups representing uh, Proud Lily Whites and. Um, Spurs Reach and Spurs Ability have been involved in some of those discussions as well around the structure of a fan advisory board. Now, I mean, there have been some changes from when matters were first discussed. So, for example, the fan review didn't propose having a fan director on the board, which was something we would have wanted to see and have been pushing for, but that's rather gone by the wayside. What they did propose was effectively a shadow board of representatives of different um constituencies if you like within the fan base but the founder review also emphasized the fundamental role of supporters trusts as the independent democratic organizations properly legally constituted and that's what we are at Tottenham Hotspur supporters trust that's that's our role so um, we will have a key role in a fan advisory board that will be established by the club but we will also have uh, in parallel to that our relation our Uh, relationship and responsibilities as an independent democratic organization directly to represent supporters with the club the fan advisory board is a forum for discussion the trust is an organization with an ongoing relationship with the club representing uh, our members and Spurs supporters more broadly with the club the fan advisory board there are still a few uh, issues to be ironed out we had a further discussion with the club this week there's a proper engagement with the club on the areas of difference. Our test, if you like, that it has, is it has to be uh, a body of substance. It has to have a remit, which covers the key issues that fans are interested in. It needs to be able to discuss the very sort of issues that we've been talking about today. And some of those may have to remain confidential within the fan advisory board because more detail can be discussed. But the principles must be that the fundamental strategy of the club, the club's performance, Um, must be on the table for discussion. There must be discussion of any issues that affect the club's heritage, where the club plays, the league it plays in. And fundamentally, um, we've said from the start, we cannot have a situation where clubs, not just Tottenham, where clubs could be discussing a European Super League behind the veil of confidentiality clauses and not then discussing that with their fans and with fan advisory boards. So any arrangement that is in place has to be in the context that those secret discussions can't go on, that hopefully those discussions wouldn't take place at all, but there could be no such discussions without involvement and awareness of fans in uh, what's happening. So we're close to getting to the point where uh, if you like, the discussions will come to an end and we'll be at a final position. We will then have to take a view as a trust on whether we think that's something that we uh, can endorse and recommend uh, we certainly want to participate fully in anybody that's been agreed. And we will also continue to make our own separate representations on behalf of fans to the club. So we're at uh, we're, we're we're almost at the end point now. And I know we've said this for some time, uh, but we think that we're down to the last few issues that need to be resolved. Brilliant.
2: And I guess I assume some of the reservations that you may have is that you want the fan advisory board to have a genuine say to have a genuine place at the table otherwise what's the point you know like if it's just them and like oh we got to meet these guys now and, and they, they have to understand that without the fans there is no tottenham and that that we we are the guardians of the club when each owner comes and goes they are the custodians we are the guardians so do you do you feel that in those conversations again i know there, there's certain parts you can't say but do you feel that the advisory board will have a genuine say in the running of the club?
0: Well, that will be our our, our measure of it, if you like. Uh, and the, the documentation will make clear that there is consultation with fans through the fan advisory board. It's not just information. It's not just telling uh, the fan advisory board things after the event. It specifically writes in that there will be consultation and the remit does cover the key issues that we're concerned about but i think there is a gen a general point look you know the um the european super league debacle registered trademark uh, uh, um um <laughs> the um led to uh, difficulties in the relationship as as rachel has described but i think it's also uh, contributed to a a defensiveness around a number of clubs in relation to their um relationships with their fans more generally and in some cases with their supporters trust and other organizations and I think what is needed is is that re-engagement that broadly speaking as we've said before the fans want the club to succeed Um, there will be skepticism about some of the clubs uh, any club's decisions but there needs it by a proper engagement and transparency and a sharing of information where it's possible it's much easier to build that sense of trust and that uh, togetherness if you like and and, uh, we believe that all clubs will be well advised to engage properly with this process because they're going to have a better relationship with their fans and you can see uh, there are other clubs who are in difficulties at the moment just before we came on I was reading the the open letter that um, the Everton chairman had written to Everton fans who are extremely disgruntled with how things are going on and that has gone down extremely badly that would not be i think a model that you would want to see um but uh, you know what we're saying is look engage with us engage with the fan advisory board tell the fans more share more information be open when you can let's be clear about where the club's trying to get to and i think you know if we've got a clearer idea of the strategy and the purpose and the goals that the, the fan the club are trying to achieve and how they're trying to get there then i think people are much more on board uh with the fact there will be some ups and downs on the way.
2: And like you said, you're bringing up other clubs as well. It's not just about Tottenham Hotspur. These, these, uh, the advisory board is we're here to protect the, the football pyramid as well. Uh, mm-hmm. The clubs in League One, League Two, non league clubs. If there is this breakaway, because it will come back. The, the European clubs, like the, the big European clubs, they're still itching for it. The Italian clubs, I think, mean, Juventus and. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think Torrentino Perez at Madrid, they want this to happen and they're not yeah. going to give up.
0: And you mentioned earlier on, uh, I'm sorry, I, I rather missed this point when I was answering something else about the government. Now, I mean, the government's view on this has, has changed. Uh, well, indeed, um, there have been more changes of prime minister since we've been discussing the fan advisory board than there have been other developments. But, uh, but the current prime minister is on record as being committed to the fan Lib review and, uh, Our understanding is that the white paper is going to be published imminently. I heard today it may be published um, by the end of January. Well, that is very helpful. Although the legislation won't um, necessarily come into play uh, for some time, uh, it's important because I think it makes the point to uh, clubs that they cannot just sit on their hands. And to be fair to Tottenham, 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 I'm not accusing Tottenham for a moment of sitting on their hands. They are engaging about this. But there are other clubs who aren't... um, uh, so responsive on establishing fan advisory boards. But the clubs will know, including Tottenham, not just that fan advisory boards are coming, but the independent regulator is coming and that a golden share is coming that will uh, safeguard club heritage assets. And so clubs need to act and get on board. And they're far better doing so proactively, engaging with their fans, rather than feeling that they, you know it's just a response to the fact there'll be legislation coming in down the line.
2: The next point uh, to go on to is is what the trust does uh, for fans. There are some fans, as, as we mentioned earlier, I think it might have been off air, that, that are quite sceptical about the trust and uh, and the work that you do. I know I, I know very well because I, I, I'm a member and uh, I, I've seen the hard work that you put in. Um, but how do you make sure that you're representing the views of Spurs fans when you're formulating policy? And how can Spurs fans let you know how they feel on a range of issues like we've just been talking club ownership or or even ticketing
1: Mm. um yeah i'll I'll take that um i mean we are we we represent about thirty thousand um fans spurs fans um and there are lots of different levels of um membership that people um can take and we really really welcome all new members so you can join as a full member which is what we would obviously recommend um, and supporters clubs can also join um if you're a full member it costs 10 pounds a year um, and basically you're um you're then part of the fully democratic processes of the trust so you, so you could stand for um election to the board for example but you can also um come to the agm you can um ask questions you can um you know put Put your views. Um, suggest things that you think that the trust should be working on. And you know, all the people who have um, who are on our board have started off as a member. I joined um, one night when I just there was something going on on Twitter where everyone was suddenly talking about this trust, who I'd not known about before. I signed up as a full member, um, went along to a couple of their um, open events or their, their member events. Um, and we really encourage people to do that and then find out, you know, who we are, what are we doing? Um, so, for example, um, we've got uh, our AGM coming up now, which is for um, four members, uh, which is going to have a um, oh, it's an added event after the AGM, which um, we'll, we'll be publicizing to our members, but which will be really interesting. And um, I, I'm really looking forward to it myself. Um, but we also have um, Q&A sessions, um, we have guest speakers, all sorts of things. Um, and we also have a forum uh, where members can open up their own threads of what they want to be discussed. So if if they're fed up with something we're doing, they can put a thread on there, get other people to join in. Um, but as I said, it is the survey. The, the annual survey is the big one. We also do catering surveys and, and we're able to um respond to um emails in the inbox so for example even just today we had a lovely one um where someone had emailed in and said um you know the the beer at the stadium beer's great but if you've got celiacs um there's no beer you can drink and you know that's um that's not great it's not a great look and so i contacted the club the club are very approachable about all those those sort of issues they came back and said you know there there have been issues but i i can announce that in kiosks 251 and 256 from the north london derby onwards there will be gluten free maretti is it am i pronouncing it correctly the lager good lager um Will be available in those two kiosks. So, you know, even just, those are very small wins, but they're really great. Because I know that somebody who has been, you know, really cheesed off about not being able to have a beer at the stadium can. So, you know, that's that's just one small way that someone can ask us to do something and we can do it. But we have a very full um inbox and a lot of things that come from there that that we do. And we also um I'm sure Steve will talk as well about um, the regular sort of operational meetings that we have and the work that we do all the time. Do you, do you want us to talk about that at the moment? Or? Yeah, I, mean,
0: I, I think that in particular around around ticketing, which is obviously always a very live issue, cost of tickets, availability of tickets, season ticket renewals, when they're going to be, the, the deadline for renewing, how much they're going to cost, the balance between season tickets one Hotspur members and, and general admission, uh, away ticketing and uh, the uh, process for qualifying for away tickets and so forth. And then, you know, um, Champions League matches, we've had a number of discussions around the pricing for that. We've had some successes on that. I think that we we were pleased that the club listened to what we had to say and that the pricing for the uh, AC Milan game is Category B rather than top Category A, and also that ticket share is available for that fixture and was for the last two Champions League fixtures. So those are regular engagements. Also stuff around away travel, away games uh, in Europe or away games to places that uh, maybe we haven't visited so frequently. So we'll be having a discussion around the the cup tie at Preston fairly soon. And the club engaged very well on that. Uh, But also uh, it's important that um, we're able to reflect concerns that have been raised with us by fans, but also our own personal experience for those who regularly travel to away games so we can be thinking about well what will the impact be on on traveling fans so you know it, it's important i think that we get stuck into those to those issues uh, and that we do reflect the post bag, if you like we get the virtual post bag by email as well as the issues on the survey and that we produce a regular monthly newsletter about what we do and we do get feedback on that we had a we had um from the last one a couple of emails in saying well hang on a minute the club has said you say the club has said this that's not our experience can you raise with them what's actually happened so we you know we 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 are regularly in dialogue with fans and we do pick up on what's raised with us both through email or social media or indeed when we you know when people meet us at events or or at the ground as well so um you know we 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 try and be uh, responsive and we try and raise the issues that really concern fans and we feedback the answers we get and, you know, we do push against the club where we think they're going down the wrong path on things.
1: Yeah, right. I've, I've certainly found the planning meetings extraordinary, you know, like the, the ones for the Marseille away game and um, several of these things and we're able to see things like, you know, you, you can't actually do that because, um, you know, is it's impractical and so we're able to sort of, um, you know, be the fan in the room um, to make to get the club to go back on things, and we've we've had lots of successes like that. Yeah. And I was another thing that when Steve was mentioning about all the the things that we've lobbied on for ticketing, and and you know they don't always listen, and you know sometimes we are um, banging our head against a brick wall to be honest. Um, but some of the things you know we we do get um, we do get wins on, and uh, one of the things that we're really trying to push at the moment is about concessions and um that we we really feel that concessions should be on the person not the seat and we are worried about the erosion of the amount of concessions that are being given um but we did lobby really hard to have the family ticket pricing um for the FA cup games and it was lovely it was really good because they not only did the club absolutely um adopt it but you could see just children and um families everywhere and that's the sort of thing that builds the fans for the future.
0: And I think another thing is worth mentioning is, as, as a trust, we we work with other supporters' trusts and with the Football Supporters Association yeah. um, around issues that affect all fans. So, for example, um, uh, scheduling of fixtures, fixtures being moved and cancelled, travel arrangements around that and so forth, lobbying around those issues, working collectively, as well as on the fan-led review. So... Um, it's important I think we share our experience with other groups and we also learn from theirs as well.
2: Mm. I was going to ask about that actually Steve, in in that dialogue that you have with the other um, supporters associations from other clubs through the FSA, where does Tottenham rank would you say in terms of engagement from um, their other club's owners with their fans, do you think that Tottenham are doing a good job in general compared to say Chelsea or Arsenal, Liverpool, smaller clubs? Or do you not get that anecdotal sort of feedback?
0: I think there are areas where Tottenham are doing better than other clubs. There are areas where Tottenham are doing worse than other clubs. Um, and there are undoubtedly differences between clubs of the scale of Tottenham and some of the um, other clubs in the Premier League and certainly clubs lower down, lower down the divisions. And I, what, we, um, what we do um, is to say to the club, look, we've picked up, that another club is doing this, which we think is a good thing. Um, we think you should be doing that as well. And, and, you know, we do use those examples of best practice where we can. Uh, there are other examples where we think other clubs are doing things particularly badly and Spurs haven't fallen into that trap. So, I mean, there isn't a league table for that, as far as I'm aware. But we, <laughs> we, we certainly do speak to supporters of other clubs and to the Football Sports Association, who've been very helpful on a number of issues in connection with the discussions we're currently having. And we're pushing for Spurs to be up there with with best practice where we can
2: great so before we get on to the north london derby uh there's a few questions here. We did put out uh, a call for questions. We got a mm-hmm. huge response, so I'm just sort of scanning them now uh to uh, uh some a lot of them I've kind of already asked is in the yeah. there's one here from parker uh this was on twitter. Did the trust feel under pressure to ask the questions from the fan base? Or are these genuine? Are they were they genuinely your concerns? This is, I guess we spoke about at the beginning.
0: I guess uh, I, you know, they are they are genuinely our concerns, but we also think they reflect more more widely the concerns that fans are feeling and expressing, and we try to synthesise some of that into the questions we ask. So I don't think we felt under pressure, but we thought it was the appropriate time to ask them, and I think that's yeah. reflected in. The response we've had since we published the questions, and indeed the fact that we are we've now got a commitment to get to get full answers to them as well.
2: Um, okay, there was one about the financial results, but we've spoken about that already. Um, and yeah, we've a question here from Dickie on Twitter. Um, hello there, Dickie. Uh, any update on putting a fan on the board of directors? We kind of touched on that, in that that's probably not going to happen, but there will be the fan advisory board. Is, is that the general? That's correct,
0: and and um, the I, I, you know, obviously it's still under discussion, but there there will be, if you like, an attendance at board meetings from a representative from that fan advisory board, but it won't be a full director on the board, as yeah, to be blunt, we would have wanted when the discussions first started, but but the fan lab review itself rather rather moved away from that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, again this was about the from ed johnson a top fan um we did speak about the qatari rumors but the what would be the feeling of a possible part ownership? and again we, we've already touched on that i guess um it is that you've asked us the right questions doesn't it yeah 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 so everyone can be happy that we've spoken about the right subjects i'm i'm wary that we've been going for an hour now so let's talk about the north london derby uh are you um first of all are you both going
0: yep absolutely God, yes. I'm, so
2: <laughs> <jealous>. <laughs> I'm actually um, for the
1: North London Derby at the stadium. Uh, well, I'm assuming I, I'm lucky and get it run in the ballot, but um, which Spurs Reach are putting on um, with lots of um, people from overseas fan clubs are, are coming. So I'm looking forward to meeting them and take my mind off the North London Derby for an hour.
2: I did see that. I'd I love to, because as, as you know, I'm yeah. Brazil Spurs and, and Dublin Spurs as well. I've I, I, mean, I work for an Irish employer. So I watch a lot of games with Dublin Spurs when I'm in Ireland and obviously watch the games with Brazil Spurs here. So I'll uh, I'll be there in spirit at least. And uh, it looks like we may have at least one of our injured trio back. So I think Kulizewski's back in training. Um, we may have Bentancur. How are you feeling ahead of, ahead of the game, Steve? Uh, the, I thought the win against uh, Palace was vital just in terms of confidence ahead of this game.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think before that, uh, after, uh, you know, after that Villa game, uh, you know, I think we're all dreading uh, what was about to come. Um, So the second half against Palace and the confidence that has hopefully given the team and the way in which they played in that and, and almost reminding... reminding us and reminding themselves that that is what they are capable of, particularly when they're going forward. And there was a a resilience in defence as well. And I thought Hugo had a very good game uh, in that game after, obviously, uh, a less good game against Villa. So, look, I mean, unusually, last season, uh, that that game at the end of last season, I'm normally, um, uh, I would uh, outdo anyone for pessimism before most games. But last season... Even I thought we were going to beat them, you know, when it came to that game. There was just a feeling around the whole place, the whole atmosphere leading up to it just felt right. Um, now, it doesn't feel like that, but I think we've, uh, we certainly can beat them. Spurs certainly can beat them. We've got the players to do so. Um, I ask confess that uh, I'm particularly ill-informed on how Arsenal are doing, because I don't watch them on TV unless they're playing Tottenham. So uh, I can't report back on what I think about how they're doing, apart from seeing what the results are. But look, we can beat them. And I think if we if we get a, if Spurs get about them, one of the thing and, and if the fans get behind the team, which I'm sure they will. And one of the things about the the game last season was the the atmosphere there around the whole of N17, but in the stadium. And you could see the effect that had on the Spurs players but also the effect that had on the Arsenal players. So I think we've got a contribution to make. I think, we need to, I think Spurs need to start well. I mean, the fans will stay with the team anyway, but we need to start well and we need to keep putting Arsenal under pressure. Um, and, and I think it's certainly doable. I think, uh, you know, I think, uh, and, a, and a win there, a win on Sunday, you know, really reinforces our position and also undermines them, which would be uh, uh, good news all round.
2: <laughs> Rachel, have you? I've I admit I've not seen much of the Goons. Uh, as Steve said, why would we? But I think I, I might be wrong here that Saka picked up a knock against mm-hmm. Oxford. He was subbed and Smith Rowe came on. It may have, uh, it may be hopeful there. Uh, yeah. But it, it is annoying that they're, they're playing so well and, and top of the league, isn't it?
1: Yes, it's absolutely terrible. I mean, <laughs> I have to say, before you spoke, Steve, I was completely convinced we were going to get um, thumped. Um, now I'm inspired by your words and I'm feeling confidence. Um, but I had no, seriously, I, I watched that all or nothing. Um, the, uh, the Amazon prime series. Uh, and I thought that they came over as like a scene from the office, you know, it was like David Brent leading them. I thought they, it was laughable. And I thought, you know, the, the, he's going to get the sack at the beginning of this season, it's going to be absolute carnage. And how wrong could you be? And he's just you know they're they're absolutely on a roll but um they are young i do think we absolutely intimidated them last year that that atmosphere you know i'm i'm just on the um i'm not in the standing bit but i'm near it but all those people were in my bit and it was just the most exciting atmosphere um i've i've, I've had at this stadium it was amazing and it was the crowd as well as the players that beat beat Arsenal, and we've got to try and replicate that. I think the fact that it's at four thirty on a Sunday, it's going to be quite a tasty um, atmosphere. <laughs> to be honest, um, and uh, I am sure that everybody's up for it. And I wouldn't it be great if Kane got the record mm-hmm. on that game? It would just be perfect. So yeah, I'm feeling more optimistic
2: now that um, we've met today. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. By the way, the, the home advantage. Is, is is big in this game with derbies, it form does go out. It's such a cliche, but from form does go out the window. And we um yeah, I, I I think Kane will if he gets his two, I don't see Arsenal scoring more than one. I think that uh Jesus is a big loss for them. Martinelli's annoyingly good. Uh why is it Brazilians always play well for Arsenal? Um but oh, yeah, I think oh, yeah, G- Gilberto was good there. Gilberto Silva was the first. I think it was the first real strong success story for Brazil um, in, in 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 England. Because uh, before him was what Juninho and Juninho. Anderson, yeah, Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough yeah. They didn't really achieve success success that that, that Gilberto Silva did. So, uh, but anyway, let's get predictions. Uh, Steve, you first. What do you think the score will be on Sunday?
0: Um- yeah, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, fortify by your comments, uh, Brendan. I'll go for 2-1 to Tottenham with uh, with uh, both goals from Harry Kane. Perfect.
2: Rachel?
1: Um, oh, God. I'm going to go, we'll go 1-0 down, because we do, and then we'll win 3-1, um, two from Kane and one own goal.
0: Nice. Oh, I thought you were going to go. I, I was, I'm sure you were going to say Sonny there, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: poor Sonny. But yeah, I, I, I'll go three one and I will go with Sonny. Um, he just, he does look so sad and I want him to, to just to feel that rush and it will mm. be an amazing moment and Kane will have an amazing moment. We've got to be positive. It's hope is uh, is what kills you, but it's almost all that we have as Spurs fans, so uh, I'm optimistic that we'll, uh, we'll get the win. Um, before we go, um, Rachel, how do our listeners get more involved with the Trust? I know we spoke about it before, but please talk about the socials, etc.
1: Yeah, well, we'd absolutely love you to get involved and join us, um, either as a full member or an associate member or encourage your overseas supporters clubs or local supporters clubs to, to get involved too. Um, so you can follow us obviously on Twitter, which is at THSTOfficial. Um, we've got a website, um, which is www.THSTofficial.com. And then there's a membership link on there. Um, come and see us in the stadium. What other methods, Steve, I I've, I've forgot, Facebook. We've got a Facebook page as well um and you know just just let us know how you're feeling we we really want the more of you as members the better because then we know that we are you know we're hearing um what
2: needs to be heard just as we're asking the club to hear what needs to be heard as mm-hmm. well amazing well as i said at the beginning you guys do an incredible job and uh, we're, we're proud to have you representing us we're lucky to have uh you guys and um so thank you for all the work that you guys do
0: Thank you. Thank you for having us on. It's been yeah. a pleasure.
2: Jeez heads, do listen out for, we hope, will be a pod of, uh, of a win over Arsenal on Sunday from Franco. I may be on that. I don't know yet. Um, and the YouTube guys will be back on Friday with a preview. I think we have a Guna on there as well. A nice Guna, though. They do exist. And so do, if a YouTube is your thing, do watch out for that on Friday. And follow us on the social, subscribe if you can. And as ever... Come on, you Spurs. Come Come on. on, you Spurs. Sports Social Podcast Network.